You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Hi, I'm Reverend Laura Spearin, on location in Waterford, Michigan. The scripture today is from Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still spewing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, seeking letters to the synagogues in Damascus. If he found persons who belonged to the way, whether men or women, these letters would authorize him to take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. During the journey, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven encircled him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice asking him, Saul, Saul, why are you harassing me? Saul asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are harassing, came the reply. Now get up and enter the city. You will be told what you must do. Those traveling with him stood there speechless. They heard the voice but saw no one. After they picked Saul up from the ground, he opened his eyes, but he couldn't see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and neither ate nor drank anything. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On the road again, going places that I've never been, seeing things that I may never see again. I can't wait to get on the road again. On the road again. Please pray with me. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, the one who redeems us. Amen. I want you to picture in your mind a public figure, not just any public figure, one who you fundamentally disagree with. You all thought of someone right away, I could tell. It needs to be somebody who has power. I can tell by your laughter. Does anybody, does everybody have a figure? (laughs) All right, excellent. Now imagine that this public figure is going around declaring that they have changed their mind. And in fact, all of their values, everything that they're saying now lines up with what you believe. Would you believe them? Probably depends who the public figure is you have in mind, I guess. More importantly, would you go to their side and help them? Would you encourage them? Would you sit and pray with them if that's what God asked you to do? It might be a hard sell. Well, Saul was a guy who hated followers of Jesus. Not only did he dislike Jesus' people, he intentionally sought them out and he had them arrested, pulled from their homes. In some cases, these people were even killed. Saul was there when the disciple Stephen was stoned to death, and Saul thought that was justice being lived out. Suffice it to say, 
Saul was not a friend to Christians. And he was headed to Damascus at the, heart, at the start of Acts 9, and he had a letter of introduction, and the letter of introduction would have let him start arresting more Christians, people of the way, as you heard in Scripture, uh, so that he could ship them off to prison in Jerusalem. And so he's on this road trip. He's on the road to Damascus with the express purpose of locking up Jesus' followers. And while he's traveling... He hears this voice from the heavens saying, Saul, why are you harassing me? Why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting me? And Saul says, well, who are you? He doesn't know that it's God talking to him. And God says, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Get up, enter the city, you'll be told what to do. And sometimes when God talks to people in scripture, we get a lot more words than that. But in Saul's case, that's all we get. You're persecuting me. Go to the city. Await further instructions. And meanwhile, Saul is struck blind. His eyes are open. He can't see anything. And he had intended to enter Damascus triumphantly as this scary power player who was there to lock up Christians. And instead, he's walking into Damascus being led by the arm by one of his followers. A much more humble entry. For three days, Saul can't see, and he doesn't eat, he doesn't drink. And that's where our scripture reading left him this morning, but of course, there's more to this story. Saul starts praying for his sight to return. He starts praying for something, for anything to happen. At this same time, God comes to a Jesus follower named Ananias. The choir sang about him in their song. I don't know if you caught it. It was very quick. Ananias. And God tells Ananias, I need you to go to Saul. I need you to help him. And Ananias is not too sure about this plan initially because he knew who Saul was, like the greatest enemy of Jesus' followers that they had at that time. He had a reputation for hurting people. He was not known as a good guy among the Christian community. And I want to pause at this point in the story because it's easy to say, I think, with thousands of years of perspective, of course, if it were me and God said, go pray with this man, I would have gone, I would have prayed with him right away. But Saul was not seen as trustworthy. What if he'd recovered his sight and his health and he'd immediately arrested Ananias, a follower of Jesus, That would be very fitting with his reputation. And then setting aside the risks of being imprisoned, who among us really wants to sit with someone who has famously caused others pain? Who among us is eager to help somebody who is fighting for all of the things that we stand against or fighting against all of the things that we stand for? It's a hard sell. Ananias, in the end decides to lay aside his mistrust of Saul and lean into his trust of God. And so he travels to Saul and he lays hands on him and Ananias says, Lord Jesus, who appeared to you in a vision on your way here, has sent me. He's admitting to following Jesus. He sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, scripture tells us, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and his sight was restored and he was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and he regained his strength. And we know from the 
rest of the book of Acts that he goes on to be the greatest evangelist that the world has ever known, the greatest planter of churches, the greatest advocate for Jesus. It's a pretty amazing transformation. But before it could happen, it took Ananias overcoming his own fears and doubts and going out on a limb and trusting God to reach out to Saul, to offer him hope and grace and healing. Ananias became one of Saul's first faith mentors because, guess what? He was the guy who got stuck praying for the enemy and suddenly he's his mentor. And it became this unlikely friendship because despite the fact that they had never meet, never met before, they had all kinds of assumptions about one another before this moment. Saul would have assumed, he's a Jesus follower. I've got to send him back to Jerusalem in a cell. Saul and Ananias would not have been friends if not for God. They would not have been friends if not for Jesus Christ. It was an unlikely partnership. Speaking of unlikely partnerships, uh, every so often I like to watch those nature documentaries that have unlikely friendships. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like an ostrich that becomes friends with a giraffe or a cat who's friends with an owl, you know that kind of thing? Well, there's this one video about an elephant and a black lab who become friends, and the elephant is named Bubbles, and she was orphaned as a baby because poachers had killed her parents in the ivory trade. And Bubbles the elephant was brought to a wildlife safari in North Carolina, where I guess they rehabilitate orphans of the ivory trade. And a few years later, this black lab puppy was abandoned near the spot where Bubbles the elephant was, and somehow, someway, they became friends. And so there's videos online of them playing together and splashing in the water, and elephants and dogs were never really uh, meant to be friends in the wild, and yet here they are playing together. They both like to swim, they both like to play in the water. If you haven't seen that one, you've seen probably something like it a chicken that becomes friends with a, a lab. Lots of them are labs, as it turns out. Very friendly animals. The point is love and hope and friendship can come from unexpected sources. I think the truth is God is often calling us to show up for unexpected people in unexpected places and times, like God called Ananias to show up for Saul. God asks us to be the people who can bring hope, who can bring love, who can bring healing. And I think it's easy to show up for those people we already like. We know that to be true. It's more challenging to offer compassion for people that we don't really care for, to the people that, you know, we've heard things about, people we've never met that we have assumptions about based on what we've heard, based on how they look. And even the best of us, even those of us who really try to lay aside our biases, we all do it to a certain extent. The uncomfortable message of this scripture passage is that we're not the ones who get to place judgment on the possibility of redemption. I'm going to say that again. We're not the ones who get to place judgment on the possibility of somebody else's redemption. That task is reserved for God and God alone. 
And in fact, God may very well be calling us to be the ones who offer comfort or support or encouragement to the people that we're not really sure about, the ones who give us pause. And God may ask us to go out of our comfort zone and pray good things for difficult people. And yet in God's hands, these people that we're not sure about can become people who are transformed by God into doers of amazingly positive things, life-changing things, world-changing things for the sake of Jesus Christ. If God can transform Saul, God can transform anybody. Now I want to be clear, this is not the sermon saying you need to give one more chance to somebody who has continuously hurt you. An abusive relationship is not something that should be stayed in. Somebody who constantly is hurting you, sometimes you have to cut off and shake the dust, as Pastor Amy reminded us a few weeks ago. However, this scripture passage does suggest that we can't let biases or discomfort stand in the way of what God is calling us to do. Because God sees potential in places where we might not see it. If Ananias had not said yes and gone to visit Saul, Saul may not have become Paul. Paul may not have become the great spreader of the gospel that he turned out to be. We may not be sitting here in this church if Saul had not turned into Paul and spread the gospel all over the world as he did. Now we often have these nudges from the Holy Spirit to reach out. We don't always give in to them. We often have nudges from the Spirit saying, you need to check on that person. You need to let them know you're praying for them. You need to drop by with a plate of cookies and say, this is just because I care about you. And sometimes we listen to these nudges, but a lot of times we say, this is not a good time, God, or I don't really know about that person, God. And we bury those nudges deep inside, and we hope that God will choose somebody else or a more convenient time some other place, some other situation. Like Ananias, I think we say, God, do you realize what you're asking me to do here? God always realizes what God is asking us to do. Most of the people God is nudging us out, nudging us to reach out to are not halfway as challenging as Saul. Keep that in mind the next time you hesitate and say, God, that person? Really? Really? Some of these people God is nudging us to reach out to are even people we already like or love. That's the truth of it. You can think of somebody in your life who you've been meaning to reach out to, probably, right? Who is that person? Who are those couple of people that God has been just poking you, tapping you on the shoulder, giving you a little, a little nudge, saying, you need to say something. You need to do something kind. You need to reach out. Who has God been bugging you to pray for? In other words, where can you be like Ananias? Now, this doesn't have to be complicated. It does not have to be a full-on conversion experience like Saul. You don't have to go and sit and become this person's mentor. It can be as simple as one kind word. It can be as simple as saying, I think you've been going through a tough time and I just want to let you know I'm sorry about that. Or you might say, I care about you. Or you might say some other kind of encouraging thing. It's got to be your own voice. It's got to be authentic. Maybe it's simply saying a prayer. 
for somebody like Saul. It can make all the difference. Doing something kind, helping somebody out, going the extra mile to show that you care or that you have hope for this person, it can make all the difference. And I can't promise you that whoever you pray for or offer hope to or offer an encouraging word to is going to acknowledge it in the way that you hope they will. I can't promise you that they're going to have a Saul-like conversion because they very well may not. But God can see the potential and God gives us these nudges for a reason. And as people who are, followed to, who are called to follow Jesus Christ, we're called to listen to those spirit nudges. We're called to go outside of our comfort zone. We're called to do the difficult thing and offer love, offer hope, offer prayer. I can tell you that if the Holy Spirit is nudging us to do something, the Holy Spirit will be at work in that person's life even if we can't see it. If Ananias, a devout Christian, can bring himself to pray for the most famous Christian persecutor in all of history, you can pray for whoever that person is that you thought of at the beginning of the sermon. If God can change Saul, who was dragging Christians from their houses and locking them up and having them killed, God can change anybody. God can redeem anybody. Who knows what God can do with us? Who knows what God can do with that person that we don't agree with? And if these two unlikely characters, Ananias and Saul, can become friends, who knows what kind of relationships God can build with us in our lives? Who knows where hope and healing may come from? May we be like Ananias. May we offer hope. May we offer healing. May we not be afraid to pray for those people that we fundamentally disagree with. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, Visit us at ClarkstonUMC.org.